This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit in your home. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hey there, families, and welcome to today's episode where we are talking to Wendy Burtnall, who is the host of the Exceptional Parenting Podcast and a parenting mentor that we are so excited to have on the show today. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. I'm so excited to be here. It's so fun. Yay! So, guys, today we are going to talk to Wendy about all things sensory. So this is an area that I think Terry and I are so pumped to learn more about Wendy because in all of our years of positive parenting education and helping families, this is one area that we really haven't taken a, d- a deep dive into. And, and for me, I just haven't um, found the, the deeper education in this area. And I know you have so much wonderful expertise in this area. And we also have a personal story of how we really, um, you know, we think our daughter really had some struggles in this area when she was a toddler. And looking back, it all makes sense now. And so we are so excited to learn from you today. And I'm going to have you introduce yourself a little bit more here in a second. But just so listeners know what we're going to talk about today, we're going to um, cover four subject areas. Number one is we're going to talk about what sensory processing difficulty really means um, and how you know if your kiddo struggles in this area. Number two, we're going to talk about mindset shifting from the whole something's wrong with my kiddo to more of they just need more support in this area, that kind of a mindset. Number three, we're going to talk about a few great things that Wendy recommends um, you can do to make your days more peaceful and easy with um, a kiddo if you if you're like yes that sounds like my kiddo they definitely may be struggling in this area and then also Wendy's gonna go in um, to detail and really help us understand the difference between meltdowns and tantrums and how to deal with them which is an area that so many of our clients struggle with Wendy so yay or literally I'm I'm so excited for this episode yes. today This is super interesting and very important. Yeah. So Wendy, tell us a little bit more before we get started about you, about your company, about your podcast, how you found this work. Just tell us um, your story. Definitely. Well, really quickly, I'll tell you the condensed version, but I started out as a special education teacher and I had my bachelor's at the time in child development. And I really thought like I came into parenting and teaching thinking that I had behavior like all figured out and <laughs> not very smart of me right oh my gosh <laughs> then I did the same thing bold jeez yeah. oh, right so with my first kid I felt like things went really well and I really was that perfect parent but come to find out he was just a really easy child so then I have okay. my second child <laughs> right <laughs> I have my second child and he struggles to regulate his sensory system And from the get-go, things were just hard. And by this time, I had my master's degree in special education. I I was teaching moderate to severe disability children every single day. I thought, again, I was like, dude, I can handle anything until I had my second child. And then I realized, you know what? This is beyond anything that I've read in a textbook, any kind of training that I've had in the classroom. It is so different when you have a child at home who's struggling and you just have no idea why. And so for three and a half years, the first three and a half years of his life, we struggled. And I became the mom that I never wanted to be. I was yelling. I was frustrated. He was frustrated. He was crying. It was just like a constant battle between he and I. And one day I was reading this book for my kids at school, of course, right? And it was all about sensory processing. And as I read it, 
tears just started flowing down my face. And I was like, this describes my son exactly. And for three and a half years, I had had no idea because I'd never linked what I was doing at work to what I was doing at home. And so it was that point in time that I just had to redo everything that I thought I knew about parenting and learn from scratch, I feel like, um, how to be a parent to each of my children in the ways that they needed. I think I started out parenting feeling like I needed to mold my children to what I wanted them to be. But that experience just really helped me to turn things around. And so that now that's what I teach parents is I teach definitely the sensory aspect of behavior because we all have a sensory system and it, it affects all of our behavior in ways that we don't even realize. Um, and then I also go deeper and do similar to what you guys do, just teaching um, positive parenting in a way that we're supporting our children through our parenting practices, because I just think it's so important that we honor our children as they are. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Literally so many things that you said about your story when you first, you know, started working or those first few years with him. It's a little boy, right? Your second? Yeah. Yeah. They sound so similar to what we struggled with with Stella. And I remember it was three. It was, she was three when we found positive parenting. And we also at the time started to see some doctors thinking like, is there something wrong, so to speak, right? Is there something more? And I hear this from my clients all the time. Like there's got to be something more like this is so intense. And so we saw an occupational therapist for a little bit, but we also found positive parenting at the time. And we just fell so in love with what we'd learned there and started to see results so fast when we shifted our behavior that we saw like just just the fruits were amazing so we we didn't go down the occupational therapist route and we went more down the positive parenting route but I looking back I'm like gosh that would have been so great to get more education in this area because um I think I really do think Stella probably fell into this category so tell us more Wendy about what does it mean that like when you I don't it's that word for me is for some reason I like I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Sensory yeah. processing difficulties yeah. or regulation. And I'm pretty sure that I have it and Stella has it. Um, but it's hard for me to understand what it all is. So can you kind of just put it into layman's terms for us parents who are like, what does that mean? All, all I know is that Stella, you know, back, especially back when she was a toddler, she would, her freakouts were like, level 15,000. She would get very hot. <laughs> Everything from tags to the brushing her hair to transitioning to like if she got a cut on her foot, she would cry for like a, a cut that was a millimeter big. She would cry for hours versus our son. He could like fall and bloody his nose and he would just cry for a minute, get up and like wipe the blood away and then keep skateboarding. Or like what else? She Terry, didn't like, wear band-aids for like five years. Oh my because gosh, of, that's right. Um, one incident of pulling a piece of tape off of her arm and so she was so stubborn and said nope n nothing will stick to my skin and she stuck to that for like five years and as she got older we realized that we think it's because she just felt so deeply she's mm -hmm. also like hunger like if she goes 20 minutes without you know especially when she was a toddler like 20 more minutes after a normal meal time she would start to like you know get closer to a freak out or it always felt like she was walking on we were walking on eggshells, Wendy. Um, that's how we would describe it back then. Um, and so does all of that kind of sound familiar? And so with all that of our own personal story, tell us more about what does it mean to have sensory processing difficulties or, or need help in that area? I love that we're starting out with this question because it's going to provide such a great foundation. And I love all the examples that you put out there because it shows that, um, you know, she's not, well, I'm going to assume she doesn't have autism. Right. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. She doesn't have a, an official diagnosis, but yet she struggles to regulate her sensory system. And, yeah. it sounds and like, now, oh, Wendy, guys, sorry, so sorry to interrupt. So now at almost 12, she's on, and she's like, she doesn't have problems anymore. Like she's, she's still a little sensitive to like certain tags or something, but for the most part, she, she does great. Like it's no longer a thing. It was, it was heightened when she was a toddler. Yep. All of that makes so much sense. Okay. And it's going to, yes, I love this. Okay. So we're going to talk for just like five minutes about the sensory system and what it is. So basically we all have a sensory system, right? And we've been told it's see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. Those are the five senses we all know about. And we all have them. 
there's actually two more that w that are less well known, but they're also part of our sensory system. And if you think about it, one of the four functions of behavior is sensory, but nobody addresses that one. Or they just say, oh, it's because, you know, sensory would be if your child is hungry or tired or something like that. But it goes so much deeper. And anytime one of these things is off, it can trigger behaviors. So we'll talk about what that looks like. Um, in my program, Sensory Solutions, we like to explain the sensory system like being a series of seven cups. So we all have seven cups in our bodies to represent each of these seven senses, but everybody's cup is different for each sense. So exam for example, a person with a big cup would be constantly seeking out stimulation for that area. So a child with a big hearing cup, for example, would be one that loves loud noises or can tolerate a lot of noise or loves having music on to, um, to focus or concentrate or whatever. Somebody with a really small hearing cup gets really irritated or agitated with any kind of loud sound or unexpected sound or they can't concentrate when they hear other noises behind them. <laughs> totally, right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so great because as I go through this, I'll go through what a big and little cup would be for every sense really quick. But as we go through this, I'm hoping that you, Wendy and Terry, as, as well as everybody else who's listening, can say, oh yeah, I have a big cup here. I have a little cup here. And honestly, it helps so much because uh, one time I was talking to a friend of mine who was just in tears and she said, Wendy, I feel like I'm just a horrible mom because anytime my kids are squealing, even laughing, just really loudly, I freak out and I blow up. Yeah. I said, well, it's just because you have a small hearing cup. It's literally your body going into fight, flight, or freeze because that small, teeny, tiny cup is overflowing and your body can't handle it, so it goes into fight, flight, or freeze. It's not that you're a bad mom. It's just that you need to, you need to know how to regulate your hearing cup. And it was this huge sense of relief for her, like, I'm not a bad person. I'm not this horrible explosive person it's just that I need to figure out how to regulate the noise that's around me and nice. I think we all can can get that sense of um, I'm not weird I'm not bad it's just like your daughter you know it's just I have these certain tendencies and with that information we can then figure out how to address those so would it be okay if I go through the seven senses just really quick yes please I okay. love it <laughs> so fun okay so C um we call this one the vision sense. So people with a big vision cup would be one who would be the people that can tolerate um, like clutter or bright colors or bright lights or um, lots of visual stimulation. Whereas somebody with a small visual cup would be one that gets overwhelmed when they see clutter. Um, they get really distracted. Um, like a child in a kindergarten classroom, if they get distracted by clutter, they're going to be the one who gets labeled as not being able to pay attention or not following directions. But really, it's just because there's too much stuff around them. Yes. Oh, my um, gosh. Terry, just this morning, we're like getting ready. We have like zero time to get ready for the podcast. And he saw my um, my what's it called? Desktop on computer my computer. Desktop, yeah. <laughs> and he was like cleaning it. And I was like, are you cleaning the desktop right now? He's like, I can't deal with this clutter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, so Terry, you can just say, I have a small vision cup. It, I have to do it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. It's not OCD. It's just a small right. vision cup. Right. I love that. Yes. And also, people with a small vision cup, can um, they can't tolerate bright lights very well. Like my oldest son, he gets migraines if he's in the sun too long. So we just know we have to carry a hat, like a brimmed hat, and sunglasses for him, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, but being aware of that really helps us to be able to prevent a lot of the behaviors or side effects from it. Um, we already did hearing taste. Taste is a huge one and can be a cause for picky eating. So a small taste cup person can't handle a lot of different flavors. So they like things pretty bland. They'll be like the grilled cheese sandwich type of people. Um, whereas somebody with a really large taste cup would love all the flavors. Like my son, he puts hot sauce or red pepper flakes on everything. If it's not coated with salt or hot something, he doesn't like to eat it. He right. likes strong flavors and is always craving that. Well, hey there, families. This episode is brought to you by the freshstartfamilyonline.com free online masterclass, What to Do When Your Kids Say No, Five Positive Parenting Tips to Help Gain Cooperation and Dissolve Power Struggles with Integrity. 
families, this is one of my favorite topics to teach on. We're going to cover how to gently guide your kids towards action even when they don't want to move or do what's asked of them, ways to see kids who push back a lot as incredible blessings and future leaders, I promise they really are, the importance of paradigm shifting with thoughts and beliefs about power-seeking misbehavior, and how to implement a pause button or a heart connector to ignite creativity and model self-control. You can head to www.freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash power struggles class. That's freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash power struggles class to save your spot. I will see you at class. Wow, that's a really helpful one to hear because so many parents are losing their minds over picky eaters and they think they're just a pain in the butt. Totally. And they're told, like, if you just force them and if you just um, give it to them more often, then it'll be fine. But the problem with that is if it's not positive, um, repeated behaviors, if we don't give them positive exposure to those things, then they're associating negative things with it, like the Band-Aid with your child. Right. Um, and then it's just a fight every single time. It's a power struggle every single time. So, yes. The next one is touch, and this is a huge one. Um, This is also a huge cause for picky eating um, because if kids can't tolerate certain textures in their mouth, then they'll be picky eaters. And so it sounds like your daughter has a very small taste or small touch cup, which affects her skin and the way things feel on her skin. So she's over-feeling or over-processing um, the way that things feel. So where, whereas we might fill a t-shirt, she's feeling every seam, every tag, every little different thing. Like she's literally over feeling. So again, with the pain, when she gets a cut, she's over feeling that she's over processing that. And it's overflowing that really small, um, touch cup and it's putting her into overdrive, but it sounds like she's found some ways to tolerate that, but likely she'll always be a little bit sensitive. Just like her mama. And that's <laughs> and, right. Yep. And also, Wendy, let me ask you this. On that one, is that emotions too? Does she feel anger possibly deeper? Does she feel sadness possibly deeper? Is that a thing? Because like our little boy, he and daddy right here, um, they have a tendency to be a little bit more mel- like easygoing. Things roll off their backs a little bit more, whereas Stella and I are a little bit more like a little bit more highs and lows. Um, so would would it... Is that part of that? Or are they just women? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Totally just kidding. I love it. Just kidding, audience. Don't tune out. Totally. They're like Terry's excluded from podcasting ever again. Um, (laughs) That's one for the dads. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Right. Um, So, children with who have a hard time regulating their sensory system or anybody who has a hard time regulating their sensory system tends to be more expressive and tends to be a little bit more defensive. But there's also um, highly sensitive feelings. They'll call them highly sensitive people. And that has nothing to do necessarily with the sensory system. Okay. But it has everything to do with the way that they feel things. So inside their feelings are bigger. So it sounds like you've got the best of both worlds on that one. Okay. She does have a large um, uh, sound cup though. Stella's a drummer. Yeah. Um, no sound bothers her. A truck could drive by. She's fine. But the the touch yeah. cup is definitely like you were you're pointing out. Yeah. Amazing. And that's the amazing. feelings one um, sounds like that's a little bit different. But yeah, she's definitely a big feeler, just like her mama. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, it's nice. I love that you you recognize that and you can say she just feels deeply. And you're not saying she's so explosive or she's so emotional or she's so you know, whatever other label. Yeah. Literally, she feels things more than other people. I love that. Yeah. She's like a little barometer. If I'm off at all, she's like, mama, I can tell. I can tell you're angry. I can tell you're, you know, and I'm like, okay, it's okay. I'm just, I'm just getting through it, you know, and she can't settle. She has trouble settling until I'm settled, you know? So Mm -hmm. we're, we're always working on that. That is so interesting. And I love how you guys have a language around that too. It's so powerful to be able to speak to these things again. So we don't feel like we're weird or bad right. or wrong. Just we can, we can speak to what's happening inside of our bodies. Yeah. So powerful. Oh, I yeah. love how you say all that, Wendy. 
Okay, so the awesome. touch cup, we covered a small touch cup. A large touch cup would be the child who goes through Target and has to touch everything. And you say, stop touching that, stop touching that. But they want to touch everything. And Terry's laughing. Are you that child, Terry? <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. I do, yeah. So they just love to feel things. And this can be a child who really um, is soothed by a blanket or a certain stuffy or something like that. Just feeling things is calming to them. So they like to feel different things. Right. Um, so that's that. And then smell, this is a big one. And I think any woman who's been pregnant can resonate with having a small smell cup, but yeah. any little smell just makes you want to lose your lunch for days, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's because you have a small smell cup. You can only handle a certain amount of smells. Um, I have a very, very small smell cup. And my husband, Tracy, tells me that my nose is broken, but in reality, <laughs> his nose is broken. He can't, he literally can't smell things through his nose. Like it's a deviated septum. He had to have surgery on it, whatever. Right. But, um, so he doesn't smell things that I smell because I have an overactive smell sense, right. but somebody with a big smell cup would be the one that goes around smelling everything. My sister is this one. She smells things before she eats them. Or sometimes you'll see kids who smell people before they meet them. Have you ever seen that? (laughs) Terry, is this you again? No, but it's entertaining. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. And it's just those things that that other people would think, oh my gosh, my kid is so weird. He smells everything. But when you think, okay, they're just trying to satisfy what their body is needing – yeah. then you can you can recognize it for what it is. And it's not just a weird habit, you know? Your child mm-hmm. is not autistic. Right. Um, then proprioception. This is a big one that is lesser known, but it's such a powerhouse in the sensory system. And this has to do with, um, well, we have proprioceptive receptors in all of our joints in our body. So anytime we're moving, we're activating the proprioceptive sense. And the bigger and harder the movement, the more proprioceptive stimulation we're getting. So the kids who are um, labeled as overactive or really wild or really aggressive, a lot of times they just have a massive proprioceptive cup. So these would be the kids that love to roughhouse. They don't really know their own strength because it feels good to their body to give somebody a super deep hug, but they don't recognize that it might not feel good to the person that they're hugging. Um, That would be a large proprioceptive cup. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly, about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, 3-2-1 countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning, you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being, air quotes, mean to their sister or disrespecting you, but then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you could end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based, firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. 
Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. That was Stella. Oh, yeah. Tackle hug. She was a tackle hugger. And she she was this tiny little petite thing with like this pixie cut and bangs. And I would get so PO'd because I'd sit there, we'd go to gymnastics class. And I was, at the time, I was like multitasking, working from home, so to speak, on Fridays. So I'd have my laptop and I'd be like, okay, I have one hour to do my work. And I'd sit there and watch her through the glass. And she would just get in trouble over and over again because she would tackle hugger friends or like push kids down but she was like smiling like like it was like this satisfaction thing that at the time was so hard to understand and I've always described it as like kinesthetic they move a lot they learn by touching and doing and kicking and jumping but this is like another layer that is so amazing to learn about just don't peel a band-aid off of her though right (laughs) (laughs) because that goes back to her tactile sense it's not, right. it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with her joints. It has everything to do with the way she feels things on her skin. Right. Oh, it's so, so interesting. Yes. And it's interesting that she has a large proprioceptive cup and a small tactile cup because, because touch has a proprioceptive um, facet to it as well as a tactile. You know, like if you go and touch her arm, I bet she prefers you to touch her um, in a more firm way rather than a gentle way because tactile she doesn't love being touched probably, but if you do it in a firm way, it's activating that proprioceptive sense. Does that sound right? That you're sounds right. right. Yeah, you're right. Daddy, yeah, tell, yeah, okay. So, so yeah, so um, so nowadays, um, one of our little routines is um, I give her like a back rub, like a massage before um, uh, she falls asleep, but she wants what she calls the paradise massage, which is um, <laughs> oh. which is like a deep massage. If I was yeah. just to sit there and like, kind of just like run my fingers on her back or something like that. She'd be like, no, you're not doing it right. Like, you know, and totally. yeah. And she was the kid who didn't love to snuggle. She still mm-hmm. doesn't like. Yeah. Little she, soft snuggles are not her thing. She wants like space. She gets very irritated with her brother if he's near her breathing over her or like she can feel. Um, but she was always the kid. It was hard, a little bit hard to bond with because she kind of wanted her own space. She wasn't the like hold me and snuggle me and it was like oh what what is your deal like you don't even want to be near me it was just such an interesting journey with her definitely and if you think about it it makes sense because if she doesn't understand she has a small tactile cup right and so all she knows is that when people are around her that sometimes her body gets overwhelmed and that happens when sometimes people touch her in a way that doesn't feel good to her body right so all she knows is space is safe so as often as possible, she's trying to put safe, put space between her and other people because she knows that that's safe. So just being able to, again, have those words for it and have that understanding oh. of like, you don't need to push people away. You can just say, hey, you know, if you're going to be around me, just know that I don't like to be touched unexpectedly or, you know, whatever that might look like. Yeah. Um, but to be able to understand that she doesn't have to push people away. She just needs to have boundaries with how she is going to be touched. And those are also the kids, too, the ones with small tactile cups. They're the ones who don't do well with circle time in kindergarten or, like, standing in line in preschool. Because if they're unexpectedly touched, it just throws their sensory system off. And it's it's this massive meltdown. Or they get in trouble for hitting somebody else because they were touched unexpectedly. And the teacher will say, well, some, so-and-so just accidentally bumped into them. I don't know why they had to go to, a, like, knock right. down throw down fight for it but yes yeah when you look at the sensory system it makes sense that explains a lot so good and it's interesting because she's from from very young we saw that she um we thought we thought and we went for it and so we got her into drums super early because she she started in kindergarten now she's like a radical drummer but she hits those drums so hard like that's the point like she says every time she goes to band like she's trying to break her sticks they're like whittled down but it's interesting because she loves to like hit hard (laughs) I don't know where that plays into it but it's just interesting because that's been from a very young age definitely it's the proprioception it's that hard physical activity. My husband is the same exact way. He has a small tactile cup and a large um, proprioceptive cup. So he, he has to go to the gym every day. And it's, it's not only a mental thing for him, like mental clarity, but it's a physical thing. He has to fill that proprioceptive cup with like weights and a lot of pressure and all of that stuff because it fills his cup for the day. Otherwise he's just off 
for the entire day. So yeah. Oh, so cool. So fun. So with the proprioceptive sense, there's, it's actually very, very, very rare to have a small proprioceptive cup. So either you have a large one or you have a medium one and that's all there is to it. Um, but then vestibular is the body being in motion. So, um, spinning, flipping, riding a bike, walking, just the body being in motion activates the vestibular cup. So kids who get motion sickness, um, or don't like spinning or swinging or whatever, those would be the ones with a small vestibular cup. And the ones who are constantly spinning, flipping, jumping, all of those things, those are the ones with a really large vestibular cup. So again, those will be the ones who are labeled as overactive or they can't sit still or they're always doing something. Um, They're just trying to fill their vestibular cup. And would this be a category that a lot of like the hitters and the kickers and the biters fall into? That's actually more proprioceptive. Okay. Um, Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, this is more just like the body being in motion. So the kids that just don't sit still who are always wiggling in their chair – and it's, it's a combination of proprioception and vestibular to be wiggling and fidgeting and stuff. But yeah. Got the, it. So the ones that are jumping off the couch when you've said no jumping off the couch, the monkeys on the bed at night and, yeah. um, okay. Could I, um, ask, cause I mean, again, it's so funny we keep going back to Stella, but, um, both of our kids were colicky for the first three months and we found, especially with Stella, our first that, um, certain motion really settled her down. Um, at the time it was just, um, a means to like settle down the colic, but I think it wasn't just that it was also like, um, getting her to fall asleep. Like, you know, we had certain motions that we would relate to, um, you know, like different times (laughs) of the day we had a a move, like a, like a, like a special move called the earthquake (laughs) where you'd, you'd sit You'd sit in the rocking chair or on the Pilates ball and you'd kind of just like rhythmically like bounce her on your knee and kind of like have this little like ba-boom, ba-boom. <laughs> and then there would also be other times where we literally, yeah, the elevator was one too. And then we had one where we would just fly her from the front door to the back door as a way to try to just like... She, and she loved it. And she loved it, but as a baby. And part of me was like, Oh, okay, that's what she needs. And then part of me, and then now she loves like riding roller coasters and doing all this stuff. I'm like, was she born with that? Or did we encourage that? Or is like, I I still think I'm like, did I like, you know, of course we weren't shaking our baby and we know very well what that is. But I'm like, was I, did I like make this drive, (laughs) drive for her to love roller coasters or like. So it sounds like, well, so we're all born with sensory preferences. And they can improve with time if we address those sensory needs um, directly. And it sounds like that's what you were doing without even noticing it. It sounds like she's always had a large vestibular cup. And when you fill those cups and you meet those needs, what happens is it soothes the body and it calms it. And so proprioception and vestibular are huge calming things, which is why it helps Stella to be able to go to sleep when you give her the massage. It's one of the best senses for calming, which is why a lot of people say, um, like when you're in a, what's it called, Wendy? When you're in a situation with a child, like at school, and they need to calm down and you give them that massive bear hug from the back, what's that called? Oh, I don't know. Anyways, one of the reasons that that is so incredibly effective, both, you know, for kids at school or any, anything like that, um, is because it, it satisfies the proprioceptive need and proprioception, that proprioceptive stimulation is calming for everybody, which is so incredibly fascinating. So it sounds like, Terry, to answer your question, she's always had a large vestibular sense and you were just so in tune with it from the very beginning that you knew how to meet that without even knowing what it was. And now she just is able to fulfill that um, that need herself through roller coasters, or I'm sure gymnastics. I don't know if that's st- still part of her volleyball, routine. beach volleyball, beach oh, volleyball and go. drums. See, yeah, so yeah. much, so much there. So yeah, that's you awesome. Do it, cool. Yeah, that was just that <laughs> yeah, be- was because Taryn, our second child, he had colic too. We couldn't believe we got two colicky kids, but he was less of the extreme. Like it was different where Stella, we had all those moves and it was so fascinating. Like how she lo- always loved it. Like kind of this rough, like 
when Terry talks about the earthquake, it was weird how it would put her to sleep and it was like this rough, not rough, like horrible, but I mean like, it's just yeah. weird looking back and like... It wasn't this like, how you picture this like, oh, I'm gonna rock the baby to sleep. It was like right. this like little like knee rumble. She would sit on the end of your knee and you would just kind of like sit your heel into the ground and kind of like... She would just kind of feel that like the boom, and she would just <laughs> nod off with each each one that came down. She would just nod off. That's yeah. amazing. I don't yeah. know how you guys stumbled upon that one. I know. Well, it <laughs> makes me want to cry because when you say like you're so in tune with her, like you know Terry, especially you know our birth was awful, and it was just like you know I feel like a hundred years ago we wouldn't have made it through, you know, and so he was just I feel like from the second Stella came into the world, him and her were just so. Like, they've always been so in tune with each other, and so that's so sweet. So, like, a, I'm sure I, you came I'm sure you came up with the earthquake and the elevator and the fly. <laughs> and I'm not saying any of this to take away from you, Wendy, but I, I do remember, like, when she was a little kid, I feel like she was, like, four or something, and we would sit there and look at each other in, our, in each other's eyes, and we'd try to read each other's minds. Yeah, she, yeah. And she would try to read my mind, and I'd try to read her mind. Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. All right, what other oh, cups have we not gotten to, Wendy? We did all seven. That wow. was perfect. That is so fascinating. And I love how you broke it down to like really give us examples of each. And it, I think all parents who are listening can look at all those different cups and go, oh yeah, that one and that one and that one. So to sum it up before we go on to our other points. So everybody's different and everyone has big cups and small cups. And it's all, it almost sounds like everybody's got sensory stuff, and then some kids are going to have really big cups or really small cups, and that's where being aware of all this really just empowers you to have more tools and choices to support everybody in the family. Absolutely. Is that you accurate? summed it up so well. That was okay. amazing. <laughs> well, and I think this is all, like, whether it's, you know, the work that we specialize in or, or you know, what, what you're doing. Is, isn't it just empathizing with people? Because I think we all go into this, like, we're very, like, us-centric before you have a kid. And even if you have, I mean, your, you know, your profession and your education and Wendy's, all of her experience, it's like, you think you're ready, but then you actually have to share a house with, you know, these new little people. And you just think that they're going to conform and adapt to like who you are. And you think because they're a little miniature version of you that you guys are just going to know each other. But you have to really empathize and see what it's like to, to walk around in their shoes. And this seems like it's, mm, it's right beautiful. there. It's yeah. like you are feeling what they're feeling or at least trying to understand it. You're seeking to understand, which yeah. is the, the like... In our work, you know, it's like that's the underneath of all of the stuff that we teach. Like when you have an intention to seek to understand other human beings, especially ones that you are in massive relationships with, life goes a whole lot smoother, you know? Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. I love it. So, okay, so our point number two was all about shifting that mindset from something's wrong with them to more of they just need some more support in this area. So I think you really did cover so much about that, Wendy, but if you want to give some final thoughts to that, if parents are really like, you know, the like, yeah, but you don't get it. My kid's just a picky eater because they are, they're a pain in the butt. I know that they they're fine. They're, nothing's wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Like that holding on to that, like they're just being a pain in the butt or, mm-hmm. or even the other side, Wendy, which is like, oh my gosh, I have to rescue them. I need to get them all the support in the world. Like, do they, like, do they need to see the therapist every week? Like, you know, that like kind of like rescuing mode or the like, just almost like resistant to like, no, they're just being a pain in the butt. They're just roughhousing. They're just, so how can we look at this as like this, our kids just are going to need, they're going to need support in certain areas more than others. Or, you know, what do you, what are your thoughts about that? So I think you and Terry both, both summed it up really well in saying it's all about understanding. And I find this is really incredibly powerful when we put ourselves into this Uh, seven cups analogy and we start to see oh I have a big vision cup or I have a small hearing cup and so I really do get agitated when I hear loud noises so we can understand and empathize this is when the empathy comes in we can empathize with what our kids might be feeling and then we can start to address it that way and I think once we start to we understand it, yes, and we can label what it is. It's not just our kid being a brat, like you were saying. It's not just our kid needing to be rescued. It's truly the way that their body functions. 
then we can start to label it and um, work with it instead of against it. And I think that's where most change or even, it's not even change, just the change happens from us, right? As right. parents, it, from our, us not fighting it. Um, whether or not the sensory system changes or improves, that's something that can be, term, be determined in occupational therapy. But the change comes from us not fighting it or not catering to it. We don't have to baby it and just accept that our kid is only going to eat 10 foods for the rest right. of their life. Right. It's that we are understanding. And there's empowerment that comes from understanding and not just waiting for the phase to end or waiting for them to grow oh out gosh. of it or whatever it is. Yeah. So, so support a lot of times just looks like understanding and backing off unless it's something that's, you know, really um, impacting a, a whole dynamic that they need to see an occupational therapist for or, um, but it sounds like you, just the act of understanding and empathizing can sometimes just kind of let everybody's guard down. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is labeling it. And so I always encourage all of my students to have family discussions about the sensory system. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, and so everybody is understanding that it's not just one person who has sensory weird things, right? It's that all of us have sensory preferences, and if we can understand and respect each other's sensory preferences, then life goes more smoothly. Yes. So that's yeah. definitely that Oh, that's so good. Yeah, because it's like, I think... I think back to like some of our times of like going and um, taking Stella to doctors and things like that. It's like we almost wanted somebody to label her with something so that we could empathize with her and say there's something wrong with her. And thinking back, of course, that's not a wonderful, you know, thought. <laughs> but if we were surviving, but if we could, but if you could tweak that and say, hey, everybody's got something um, yeah. as far as like the sensory cups. Um, here's what my dashboard looks like. And here's what yours looks like. So if you're having, you know, if you don't love this and I love it or I love something and you don't love it, it's because we're just different. Um, it's, yes. it's um, yeah, no, that's great. So that it's not just like, oh, one person is carrying some label, but nobody else has one. It's like everybody's got their thing. Totally. Yeah. yeah it's like a healthy label. Uh-huh. I like and it that. helps you to, yeah, speak to it. You know, you can just say, you know, Stella's ears are a little sensitive today. Or no, Stella doesn't have sensitive ears. Stella's you know, skin is a little bit more sensitive today. So let's be sure to give her more space than normal or whatever it is. Or maybe, you know, my ears are more sensitive today. I tell my kids that all the time. Like um, sometimes stress or um, being tired or whatever, it can shrink our small cups. <laughs> So like when I'm driving and I'm getting stressed out because it's raining and I have to really focus or there's a lot of traffic or whatever, I'll just let my kids know, like, look, guys, I'm in a tense situation right now. I can't handle noise. My ears need a break. So whatever you guys can do to be quiet, that would be great. And because I can speak to it that way proactively, they understand and they get it. So oh it's not. Gosh, this a, is so good, Wendy. Yes. I love it. Do you so get this kind of out in the open though? And like, because it's one thing to do it in the middle of the moment and sometimes tone isn't great. And maybe not everybody is in the place to be in this deep understanding, especially kids. Um, do you do this in like a, like a family meeting environment just to kind of put it out there first so that people in like a calm moment, like when it's not happening or how would you recommend Yeah. for everybody so to understand? Yeah, I love the best time for my family to talk about talk about things like this is either in the car or at dinner. Those are the times where we're together and it's like captive audience. Nice. Um, so yeah, I recommend anybody talk about it as often as they can. And I actually I don't know if you guys want to, but I can include a free. It's just like a, a workbook where it explains all of these senses. Awesome. And yeah. I love having people. Okay, I'll definitely include that in there. But I love having people just take one sense per day and talk about it at night or at dinner or whenever your family is together and talk about it as a family so that you can start speaking to it more regularly. And it's just, it's fascinating. And it's so empowering for the kids too because instead of saying, I don't like, you know, whatever this food is, or I don't eat that or whatever, they can speak to why, you know, I don't like the smell of the cauliflower when it's cooked, but I can, I can eat it when it's not cooked, or I don't like the feeling of it in my mouth. That would be a texture thing. That would be touch, you know, or I don't like the taste of this. We can speak to what it is rather than just generalizing, like, you know, I hate broccoli, whatever it is, you know? Mm. 
Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or a consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me you know if you have any questions, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. I've gotten yeah. really good at explaining why I don't like tomatoes. Yeah, Terry is his one thing. He doesn't like tomato texture. But I can tell you why. I know. Oh my gosh, I love it. These so are, good. this is so, literally so good, Wendy. I knew this was going to be so good, but it's like even better. I'm, I'm just like so in awe of everything you're teaching us. Okay. So our point, our number three, we were going to really go into some like things that families can do, you know, on the daily or, you know, um, all the time or whatever to make their days more peaceful and, you know, easier, joyful with you know, kiddos, especially if you feel like you have a kiddo who has a really big, you know, um, not bucket, what were we calling it? Cup. cup. Either a big cup or a little cup. Yeah, really that... big cups or really little cups. And, and I love this idea of, like what you said, doing in the car and having the, um, the you know, talking about sensories at dinner and, and using your guide. But what else? Is there any other tips you want to give families? Um, and then I want to I want to let you talk about the difference between meltdowns and tantrums too to kind of to wrap up our episode. Yeah, we're doing a really good job of answering our own questions before we ask them. I know, we are. <laughs> the only other thing that I would say is try to create opportunities on a regular basis to meet those needs or help your yes. child avoid those sensations that they need to avoid. So for example, if your child, like for example, um, we have a lot of small hearing cups in our family and good heavens, we're going to a demolition derby tonight. Heaven help us. <laughs> That's oh, wow. Awesome. But we're prepared for this. And so we're getting earplugs. We've got headphones. And I am just mentally prepared to leave at any time because I know that it could just be overwhelming. And no matter how much stuff we have over our ears, we might just have to leave. So just understanding or creating opportunities to meet those needs or creating opportunities to escape those aversions um, is really helpful. So Again, for us, we have big proprioceptive cups in our family. So for us, we had to change the rules in our house. So couches are for jumping because for me, it's more important for my kids to meet their proprioceptive needs than for my Craigslist couch to last 500 years. Right. It's totally fine. <laughs> right. Um, or another way to put that is like you had to get like a fabric ottoman as the coffee table versus having a glass one with sharp edges because you know your kids are more likely to jump than maybe other kids who have low proprioceptor cups, yes. right? Something You're like that. You're going to save your, your glass coffee table for when the kids have moved out. 
Right. Okay. (laughs) Or never because yes. Right. Exactly. Definitely. So just creating an environment that meets their natural sensory needs rather than trying to fight it all the time. So, you know, I had a mom the other day who said that she has a really large hearing cup. So she loves having the music on, on the background all the time, but her son has a really small hearing cup and it overwhelms him. He's constantly whining and melting down. So she said, Wendy, what can I do? And I said, well, how else could you get your hearing needs met without having the TV on all the time? So she said, well, maybe I could have earbuds in, or maybe I could do all of these things. And so it's just a matter of finding exactly how to meet those needs or how to help other people avoid them. So again, we can be proactive instead of reactive with the behaviors that happen. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. All right. And then last, I want you to tell us more about this whole idea of a meltdown versus a tantrum, because this is definitely something so many of my students and families that are going through our foundations course or in my membership program, it's called the bonfire. I mean, we get questions every single week about tantrums. And so, um, you know, tantrums to me are a little bit more like, you know, hunger, thirst, sickness, powerlessness, and they are really tough to de-escalate once you're there, right? Whereas meltdowns to me seem a little bit more just like an emotional overload. So tell me, teach us more about the difference here. Well, I would love to hear from you first, because I want to I want to go with the approach that you take. So how do you suggest or tell your students to approach behavior when it happens? What are your... Yeah. So do you mean behavior or tantrums, like misbehavior or tantrums? Do you differentiate the two of them? I do. So for misbehavior, we really category, you know, not it all. It doesn't always neatly fall into four categories, but often there's either, you know, um, a mistaken goal of seeking attention in an inappropriate way or seeking power in an inappropriate way, or there's an inadequacy or avoidance kind of aspect to it, or there's a revenge. So it's kind of those four categories that we coach parents to try to familiarize themselves with of which which one, which bucket, so to speak, is do you, um, is your child maybe dipping down into? So we see a lot of power struggles um, in misbehavior, um, often a lot of revenge misbehavior that power struggles escalates into. And then um, from there, we teach them how to all these different strategies that they can do to avoid misbehavior. Um, so things on the front end they can do to fill up their their kids' bucket, so to speak, their needs bucket. So their need to belong, their need to feel powerful, their need to um, have attention, their need to feel unconditional love and all those kind of things. And when they fill up those buckets more on the forefront, then misbehavior goes down. And then if, of course, they're still going to misbehave because they're kids and they're developing and growing up, they're supposed to push boundaries and limits. So when misbehavior does come, we teach them that there's all these different ways that you can redirect kids up and out um, with integrity. There's all these ways that they can teach them how to make different choices tomorrow um, once they learn what they're feeling, how to communicate those feelings in a healthy way, um, in a respectful way. And then with tantrums, tantrums, you know, we really feel are a little bit differently different and it's a lot more um, being aware of those big categories because often Um, It seems to be the sickness, the tiredness, the hunger, the thirst, um, and often the powerlessness when a kid's in a power surge stage of life that tips them into this almost um, erratic, irrational, where they, it's very hard to get them out of it. And you have to almost endure and support without rescuing or fixing. Love that. I love that so much. And I teach similar ways. So what I like to think of is a lot of times um, people get hung up on in the moment. Is this a tantrum or is this a meltdown? And do I do this or do I do that? But I think that um, just like what you were saying is in the moment, the most important thing is to recognize that something is off and to empathize with that. And if you can see that there's light at the end of the tunnel, you can get through it. um, Then definitely, you know, using those tools, if not, then I just automatically assume that there's a sensory aspect to it because hunger, thirst, being tired, all of those things affect the sensory system. They can make it go into overdrive. They can make it um, 
They can make cups shrink. They can make all of those things happen. And actually hunger and thirst and having to go to the bathroom, that's actually another sensory sense that is um, less well known and not quite as well studied. So I don't speak to that as often. But when that happens, what's happening inside of our bodies is when the cups are off, like when a small cup is overflowing, when a large cup is underfilled, um, our body goes into fight, flight, or freeze, which is, as you guys know, this primal instinct that we have that was meant to help us survive cavemen days. And while we're not cavemen, it's kind of obnoxious. Right. <laughs> it's just this this instinct that doesn't go away until the brain feels safe, the brain and the body feels safe. So the goal is to help the brain and the body feel safe and then address whatever it was that happened in that moment later, as soon as the brain and the body feel safe. So the goal is always to empathize or support your child to the point where they're feeling safe so that fight, flight, or freeze is passed so that they're able to think logically. The brain, the portion of the brain that um, that processes communication and learning and all that stuff can come back into play and they can start to work through those things and learn the skills that were needed to avoid those things in the future. So I personally don't differentiate between tantrums and meltdowns for that reason because I feel like in the moment, it just makes it hard. But you're absolutely right, though, Wendy. Like, there is a difference between I'm sad because I don't have a candy bar at the grocery store and my life is ending because I'm super tired and I don't have a, gro- a candy bar at the grocery store and I'm going to make everybody's lives miserable until I do get one. Right, right. right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, so. and, I'll, and I'll give you one quick example here just because I just had a client the other day and so, you know, I was helping her through this and she has a little four-year-old who has a tendency to like dip into like rageful tantrums often. And it's, uh, it's actually was good news to hear that he wasn't um, breaking or throwing things like, or hitting or anything like that. He just goes into his room and has such rage where he's screaming, the veins are coming out of his neck and he doesn't want his mom to be near. And, um, you know, or of course we often have a lot of toddlers who, you know, do the whole like, you know, back arched on the ground. They're not going anywhere. They're flipping out. That's usually what, you know, and I, I've never even thought of to differentiate the two, like meltdowns and tantrums. It kind of, it's, yeah, but I see where it's, it is a little bit different. Um, but with, so back to like the little boy who's just raging, like it's, he's screaming and his mom's trying to help him feel safe, but he's, he's just not able to come out of that. Um, so when it comes to looking at it from the sensory angle, um, what, do, what do we do with that? So again, depending on his sensory needs, um, a lot of us, we all have different preferences, right? I think we've we've kind of honed in on that idea. And some people, to be able to calm down, they just need space right. and time away. So they need to know that nobody's in their bubble. Nothing is distracting them. There's no noise. So sometimes for kids like that, it's nice to give them a positive space, like a cool down spot. That's not a timeout. It's not yep. a punishment. It's a positive space where they can go and literally just reset their sensory system and so that they can calm down. Oh, beautiful. That's exactly the language that would have been awesome to add to our discussion because, yeah, the what we came to was, you know, was the, the idea of like, you just got to let him move through it and not make him feel broken. You don't need to fix him. He, there's nothing wrong with him. He's he's just got to get through it. And then when once he's through it, then we get to ask him, what did you do to take care of yourself? How did you get through that? You didn't hurt anybody. You didn't break anything. Yes, you had some explosive anger going on and the neighbors probably think we're insane. However, you know, our clients learn to care less about that kind of stuff. Over time, it takes a while. Um, but then I love your language on top of that of just, you know, supporting them in that that space bubble is let me think if i remember back to which one that was that was tactile okay so that is so cool for her to know that he just has a big that would be a big tactile cup in that moment at least where every time she would come back in to try to comfort him and make him feel safe with like a hug or talking he was like hell no he was like get away from me and she was like so is so hard, right? Like, but when you look at it this way of like, he just needed that space to process Mm -hmm. and she didn't, you know, she doesn't need to fix him. There's nothing she's doing wrong. There's nothing. They just need to get through it and then teach him sometimes, you know, and I feel like I have that too. Sometimes I just need some space and, 
I don't, I'm not trying to be mean to people. I'm not trying to like punish them. I just, I just need some space. Yeah. Well, did you say, Wendy, that you have a small hearing cup? Yes. Yeah. I think it's pretty um, typical for people or children with small hearing cups to just need space and time away when we're in that moment of overwhelm. Because if we're in this moment of overwhelm, our hearing cup is overflowing with any little sound and it's just making us even more irritated. The best thing for us to do is just go to our quiet space, our quiet, happy space. And then Beautiful. we can calm down, right? We're not making the situation worse. My my youngest is actually the same way. If I could give one more example. Yeah. Um, she would go into a room and scream for like 20 to 30 minutes. And I have a small hearing cup. And so her screaming would just drive me nuts. Yeah. And it's also that just that heart tugging, like I'm her mom. I should be able to support her through this, right? Like a hug should fix this. Right. That's exactly what my client was saying the other day. She was like, I just feel like a failure. Yes. But I am. So my youngest is seven. And one day in the car, I love car rides. We don't listen to much music, but we have some really good talks in our cars. So I was talking to her and I said, so when you go into your room and you're really upset and you're crying, what is your body saying that it needs? She says, mom, I just want alone time. And I said, so when I come in there and I try to help you and I try to give you a hug, what does that feel like? And she said, I don't like it. And I said, if I came in there and I didn't say anything and I just sat by you and I didn't touch you, would that be okay? No, mom, I just need space. And so I said, okay. I said, what if I give you your space when you're crying that's your your way of telling me that you just need space. I give that to you. And when you're ready, then you open your door and I'll come in and then we can work through it together. And I can give you the hugs and I can support you. And she said, that's fine. So it's amazing that oh even gosh, at that young so of an beautiful. age, we were able to have that, that conversation. And it's not perfect every time, right? right? Exactly. But just her being able to state those boundaries and be able, being able to speak to her own preferences in a way that empowers her and helps me to navigate her emotions with her was so incredibly powerful. And I hope that we can continue conversations like that through her teenage years, you know, as, as well as my sons. Um, but to be able to honor their bodies and their emotional and physical needs in those moments of extreme overwhelm is, I think, one of the most powerful things we can do. Oh my gosh, that is so incredible. Literally, I, we, we could talk to Wendy for like hours. I know, but. and it's great. And I always like um, see how so much of what we're learning with little humans is so applicable to um, big humans too. Oh um, so yeah, how incredible. Oh yes. my gosh, Wendy, this has been so fun. so fun. Thank you so much for spending so much time. I know normally we try to keep these to 45 minutes and I knew we were going to go over today because you are incredible. You're such a wealth of knowledge. And I love that you just have such actionable steps for parents and also such a great relatability factor. Like, you know, that's something we try really hard to do at Fresh Start Family is teach families all these great strategies and choices and education. And we like to keep it real humble where we say, keep it real real, where we say there's no perfection in any family. And, um, you know, and I I feel like you have that too. So thank you so much for spending time with us. Tell tell our listeners where they can find you. And I know you're going to include a free guide that I'm going to put in the show notes, a link to where they can grab that free guide from you. And that's going to be so fantastic. But tell us um, your website um, and your Instagram handle, Facebook, all the good stuff of where they can find you. Yes. So I am mostly on Instagram. Instagram is my friend. And I'm Wendy Burtonall on Instagram. So that's pretty easy. And then my podcast is the Exceptional Parenting Podcast. And then you can find the show notes and everything for that on ExceptionalParentingPodcast.com. Beautiful. And I know we are going to be on your podcast. I think we scheduled a date. We're going to be on there soon, right? So we'll look forward to that. Um, And I'll make sure all of all of what we talked about today, listeners is in the show notes for today. So Wendy, thanks again. I hope you have a great day. And I look forward to talking to you again. I hope I hope we maybe we can do a collaborative project or something together because we you what you are um, offering the world with support and education is just phenomenal. And um, the world needs more of that. So thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Wendy and Terry, you're amazing. I love your message, too. So I'm so glad it just coincided so well with what you guys teach. It's an honor to be here. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day.
All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start Family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kids' worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode.